Hey, what's up, guys? It's Rico from Made in China Podcast and Source Financia, the Source Financia YouTube channel. Uh, that's all Source Financia, one word on YouTube. Um, yeah, so before I jump into today's episode, just a few announcements. And it's been a while since we released an episode. I was uh, I was traveling for a couple. I was traveling for about two to three weeks, um, most of April. Um, and then when I got back, cross border summit, which I'm releasing a video on this week. And uh, also just like, yeah, I was traveling to factories. I think I, I've been on planes like <laughs> in the past couple of weeks. I think I've been on something like six or seven planes, you know, uh, just back and forth. And I, I probably seen I probably seen about 10 to 15 factories in the last two weeks. So, yeah, it's been pretty intense. But uh, getting back into a group of things, uh, I've got a ton of pre-recorded episodes. I've got video for the for YouTube, the YouTube channel about what, what I was doing when I was traveling where I went to, um, I've got video from the cross-border summit, like I said, I'm releasing that, I'm going to have new episodes of um, of the YouTube channel as well, and, you know, podcast is going to keep moving, so without further ado, let's talk about this episode, this episode is a short podcast, is to get back into things with China Mike, it's been a while since he was on the show, uh, actually, you know, talking rather than, uh, let's say, reviewing, doing like the 50 episode anniversary that we did um a couple week, uh, a couple months ago, so yeah, we just me and Mike catching up. He's talking about basketball, how he's transitioned from you know being like the agent guy bringing in players for wild ball to hosting more tournaments and and bigger and better things. And uh, I talked a little bit about you know what's going on with the business, um, you know the cross border summit itself, how we brought uh, a group of people over uh, as a test run for something bigger that I want to do, and then also what it's like to work with working with Cirque du Soleil on a production and just <laughs> what it's like to work with a large corporation, you know, uh, who's maybe not as focused on, on uh, focused on what they do best, which is events around the world and uh, maybe isn't as much focused on how they handle the mass production aspect of the products that they use in their shows. But yeah, without further ado, enjoy the episode. I don't want to be a product of my environment. I want my environment to be a product of me. So, uh, you know, that's what's been going on. I'm sure the people Made in China, made in China. Uh, so what's it? Made in China tribe. <laughs> like, who's this unfamiliar character? His voice that I heard. It's been uh, been good, man. Life's been pretty chill since um, Chinese New Year. I've brought a group of guys to China for Chinese New Year to play some games. Since then, everything's been been pretty chill. I went back to America for two months, got to spend some time in Florida and Chicago, see family, hang out, and um, since then, I've been back to Chiang Mai for the most part. Finally in China again. What's going on basketball-wise? Basketball-wise, at the moment, um, I'm preparing tours, or I'm shopping, I should say, tours to uh, to come to China this summer. Two are bringing American teams to China. Uh, one of them, I'm, I'm about 
80-90% sure that it's going to go down um, in the middle of contracts bringing uh, college players, USA college players, to come to China to play against the uh, the CBA teams here. So how, how uh, like two years ago, whatever, yeah. when you first started doing this stuff, did you think this is where it was going when you're organizing players to come play wild ball? Did you um, think, okay, in the future I'm going to be bringing like NC, what's his NCAA, NCAA. I didn't know that. No, I, I when I first started, I really, really didn't know that the the tour side of it was as big of a business as it is. You know, and and, and it's grown though, right? I think so. Yeah, I think uh, last summer it was kind of kind of saturated, actually. You know, you have to do do some things different, differentiate yourself, bring some different type of players, offer some different type of. Uh, promotions in order to to really sell and, and, and create something interesting. But I did want to say one of the uh, tours, so I'm organizing three, two of them bringing tours, uh, excuse me, yes, bringing Americans to China. And the third one is uh, I actually set up a really, really solid, uh, that was the majority of my work when I was in the States, um, bringing high-level Chinese players to the USA this summer for a month. Oh, that's, that's good. Yeah, it's different. Um, still working on it. Don't know. Don't know if I'll get people to to sign up or not. But I just started uh, heavy outreach this week. Was preparing the tour, um, connecting with all the different you know hotels and and transportation companies, and obviously the basketball side in Chicago. That's where my habit is in Chicago. And um, I also put a lot of time in making a decent looking uh, promotional video to try to get people on board um but yeah I'm, I'm talking to the cba teams about bringing their junior clubs out and some uh um some other like semi-pro teams so i have some concerns with it but i'm excited to try it out and see if i can get a small group to go over for, for the first time because this would be my first time bringing chinese to the states so you like just to clarify, like you transitioned away from bringing in players to play all, like these two-day, three-day tournaments. Yeah, the wild ball stuff I really don't do. Uh, there's way too many guys out here now. Um, communication because of WeChat is so much easier for these guys to. By these guys, I mean the people who are trying to set up the tournaments, looking for players to contact the players directly. There's a lot of guys who are out here full time doing that. Uh, the market's really saturated. There's less games. There's less money being put towards it. And I think for me, the biggest thing is, um, you know, wild ball is called wild ball for a reason. <laughs> and, you know, setting up a little bit more legitimate operations and, and legitimate tours with pro teams and just Dealing with with more professionals is kind of what I'm going for on, on the basketball side. Are you still trying to still thinking about doing that thing where you bring like rich Chinese guys to the states? Yeah, I mean it's something that I've I've put some plans together. I've talked to some people about. I think there's interest there. Uh, I think it would greatly benefit me to to have a have a test run first. Yeah. You know, bringing these kids over to Chicago could be a great first look at uh what that might entail but yeah I so these would be rich chinese guys that are in, that want to go to the states on vacation but also super into basketball yeah absolutely and just do it high roller style you know 
floor seats. Yep. Yeah, back, back, so not backstage, but you know, locker room so access. This, this type of stuff. Right. Just things that you probably wouldn't how have access to. How much you have to pay to, to go backstage? You know? back, I can't reveal these things, man. <laughs> Well, how much would you charge somebody? <laughs> a lot, a lot. You know, we're, we're talking about doing really high-end type stuff, private planes. No, and, I'm just and, talking about like in the future when I'm balling. <laughs> how much do you have to pay to go, like, you know? I mean, like for, me meet for Steph some Curry of these, and the family. And yeah, for some of these two-week trips, looking upwards of $50,000. Um, and that's just for the basic plan. So we're a very specific market that we're, we're targeting here. Yep. But that's still in the works, something I've just been testing the waters for the past year or so. How's uh, Chiang Mai life? Chiang Mai's great. I love it. Uh, I love uh, I love chilling there and just, just how comfortable it is and the access to, to everything quickly. You know, I think I've said before, you can get almost anywhere in Chiang Mai in 15, 20 minutes, especially if you have a motorbike, uh, being around other nomads all the time, good food. I, I really do love it. But um, sometimes I get the itch to move around when, when I'm there for an extended period of time. Well, just because um, it's, it's just a slower... It's slow. It's yeah. slow. I think you said that when after you came back. It's fun. I, I really enjoy it, especially with my, my current situation. Um, I love being there, but I definitely like to, you know, shake my legs every once in a while, jump into China, go to Hong Kong, you know, just, just spots. There's a little more action. Do you see yourself being in Chiang Mai for like the next five years? Or? Um, right now I'm working with like a two year window. You know, I could see another two years in Chiang Mai at a future point. It could be less at a future point. It could be more. But, um, you know, I'm still a person that wants to see a lot of different places in the world. And although I've been to a lot of countries and been to a lot of really cool places, I still have aspirations to go see a lot of, of other spots as well. Yeah. Speaking of tours, uh, two weeks ago, when the Cantor Fair was going down, like I went to a cross-border summit, I spoke on the manufacturing panel and then uh, something that me and I don't know if I meant, I think I might have mentioned this on the podcast before, but something that me and Michelini and another guy uh, in, in Guangzhou called Mark have been kicking around ideas of bringing in people from the States to come like do some sort of, I want to, I'll call it like an accelerator program. Like, so essentially all expenses paid. So it's a package deal. You come to China for like a week and during that time period uh, I'd help you like you'd be working in my office so I'd be with you every day you have access to my staff all that stuff and then I'd help you source your products set up the contract like get a high quality supplier visit the supplier like the idea is by the end of the trip you have a supplier you have backup options that you're placing an order or ready to place an order um, so it would be like an intense program and also I'd be pre-qualifying people because I need it would only be people that have a product ready, like the, a product that they want, you know, they just haven't sourced it yet. And uh, probably wouldn't be, it's not going to be $50,000 a pop, but it, it wouldn't <laughs> I be. I hope like, not. That wouldn't be worth it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it means probably charge a significant amount for that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we did sort of like a test run of that. There's a lot of people that attended the cross-border summit and we took a group of... I think it was four or five people from Shenzhen, 
to Guangzhou for the Canto Fair. So those two nights, well, two Just days. Curious, really quick, what were the product industries that they were interested in tackling? Everybody was doing different stuff. Right. It was like very, very different stuff. One guy was doing one guy was doing teas. There's another guy, Brian Johnson, who's who's pretty famous in the uh, Amazon world. Like he just, like he's got like I don't know a hundred products that he sells. Um, with his 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 speciality is more along the lines of like identifying the product, and he's really good at marketing and the e-commerce side. So it doesn't really matter what he sells as long as the margins are good and there's demand for it. Um, and he's you know he's got the he's got the money to to advertise and stuff like that. Like yeah, he's a uh, I was talking to you know when you start talking to somebody and then you, like you ask them a few questions about what they do mm-hmm. and then you can tell by the answers that they're giving you like you start thinking you start counting how much money you made <laughs> <laughs> like, this guy might be a millionaire <laughs> he might be talking to a millionaire right now and then we, you wouldn't even know it um there's another guy who also surprised me um a gentleman from the philippines uh, Ace Estrada and his wife came down. Similar thing is like I started talking to him. Um, I started, you know, getting into his business history, and then you find out like the guy has a hundred employees, and wow. it's like in the Philippines, yes. in the Philippines, cool. ten different companies that he's built up over the last like sixteen years. So it's like again, oh, this guy might be, might be, uh, you know, he's got the he's got the money. You know what I mean? How was your initial feedback from from the test run? Uh, it was good. It was good. I think. I mean, the the advantage was that it was the first time in China for everybody, and it was the first time going to the fair. So it was it was like it wasn't as structured as I would have liked. But again, it being a test run, a lot of those guys signed up like the day before, so we didn't even have a chance to do much, you know, pre uh, pre qualifying and prep. And so it was a little bit messy, like getting the rooms, uh, get some somebody forgot their passport, so the passport had to be like. DD'd over from Shenzhen to Guangzhou in the middle of the night. Um, and then, like, when we went to the fair, it was good for them because they got to meet, like, a lot of different suppliers, and I think they sourced a bunch of different products, but no one was going in there with, like, a specific, like, I, I want to get this product. It was yeah. more like this industry. Prefer to, to cater yeah, program. because it's like I can't really give you actionable advice if you're if you're too general about what you're For doing sure. all i can tell you is how to communicate with factories and like things to look out for but if you if you have a product and it's like okay we know exactly what we're looking for we know exactly what we're looking for and then you know we can structure everything around that product whether it's how you set up the qc or how you set up the order payment terms like all that like it depends right um and also, if you know roughly how much money you want to spend as well on the, on the, the product, that changes the conversations that you have with factories. Okay. So, but yeah, it was good overall. Like, I mean, I, I think we learned a lot about what not to do. Um, and yeah, I just think it was a good it was a good little test because I also realized if you bring people that have never been to China before, you like there's a, it's it's very it's a lot of work like. If we were to do it, like I'd have to hire more people just to like manage these guys, like transportation, uh, you know, the little small things that everybody needs, whether they want to buy something, like just getting them to just make sure they don't get lost and make sure they don't up, have end a up few with more like, task rabbits that can you know, guide them through the day. Uh, yeah, like sure. Did that happen? Uh, yeah, I think somebody felt a little bit sick, but that was from the day before, and then they got some. 
some like uh, medication from a Chinese convenience store, they were fine. Okay. Beyond that, we've only got like, oh, we've got 10 minutes. Um, beyond that, what else is interesting? Oh, we started an order with uh, Cirque du Soleil. So, um, <laughs> it was funny because when we dealt with Walmart, it was so easy. But I think the, the, the difference is like with Walmart, we were working with somebody else who works with Walmart. Sure. And also, I think the way Walmart works, like they're not doing it directly, right? Like it's more like, oh, you go, this is our parameters, you go find this product. Once you buy it, we'll buy it from you. Like, whereas with Cirque, we're working like directly with them. But they're at the end of the day, they're an entertainment company, so they don't really like they've systemized their sourcing a little bit, but they don't really understand how to do things here. So it's like even things like payment terms, you know, they <laughs> they take two weeks to process an invoice, but then they're like, "Yo, you need to start the order." I'm like, "No, <laughs> like in fact, you're not going to start production until until they receive the." Hey, what's up guys, we will return to regular scheduled program shortly, but I just wanted to let you know about a new service that we just launched, it's a design for manufacturing service, we've hired a very, very fantastic industrial designer who has experience working with uh, doing DFM for South American manufacturers as well as Chinese manufacturers. And I think our rates are pretty reasonable in comparison to what you'd get if you're working with a company based in the US just because of labor costs, right? What we can now do, what SSA is now capable of doing is taking a crudely drawn item, product idea on a napkin, you drew it drunk in a bar or something like that, and then taking it into 2D uh, giving you recommendations on the bill of materials and taking it into 3D and CAD and having that formatted specifically for manufacturers, right? So we're doing a beta launch at the moment. Um, official launch date is June 4th for the beta launch. Um, for anybody that gets in before the beta launch, there will be a special discount. Uh, so if you want more details, shoot me an email at rico at sourcefinasia.com r-i-c-o at sourcefinasia.com and just say dfm service in the subject line cheers quite a few years back i was working with a large cosmetic company i was working with estee lauder and you know I'll just, i used to call them the dinosaur because that's how decisions and, and were processed they would just have to go down the line you get anywhere from five to 12 people included on emails and you'd be waiting for someone's reply you'd be waiting for someone's confirmation and just everything every tiny little decision and detail gets pushed back yeah uh i mean it's like yeah when we were going through the sampling process like the first round of samples we sent them i believe was in february or march yeah and we only started the order two weeks ago. So it, is <laughs> it can be frustrating because you're ready to move. They have a clear agenda. You know how to get there, but you have to deal with the system. And also, yeah, we're a small company. We're a startup. So it's like, I don't, I mean, just from a, just from a business standpoint, like if we get a new client, we want to start immediately, obviously, because we want the money so that we can, you know, grow the business. Mm -hmm. So it be like sitting around for two months waiting for this thing to happen that might happen, might not happen. They increase the order, they decrease the order. And it's like, <laughs> you know, and even 
some of the small things, um, like when we sent them the second round of samples, there was like, I think there was a sticker issue, like the positioning of the sticker wasn't correct. So they were talking about doing another round of samples, but in reality, this is it wasn't necessary because the sticker was was made properly. It just got shifted in in uh, shipping. So it was like we're like no, like if we start the order, the factory is going to send us a pre-production sample that's going to be like the standard of the production. I've had that issue with companies where yeah. they insist on seeing an exact sample yeah. in order to start the order yeah. when could easily connect the dots you know like like you said you add this sticker or you know change the font on, on, on the packaging something like that yeah it's like when we've done uh like when we were doing a lot of odm stuff with uh with toys like with prodigy we're we make we're making molds based off of a handmade sample like a com combination of a 3d printed and handmade sample that was painted by hand so it wasn't the the, the finished version of the product but they understood that because that's the process like you you get a, the samples just supposed to prove that these guys are capable of doing what you want it might not be exactly what and you want but like factories are very dependent on those deposits to keep the wheels turning you yeah. know just like you were saying you don't want to wait two weeks for them to, to process that invoice and they were expecting you to be working during that time when that's not really the case it's yeah. the same thing with factories they're not going to bend over backwards for three months perfecting your sample with no promise of an order, an order whatsoever yeah. you know and it's like yeah you will get a golden sample pre-production mm -hmm. but you need to pay the deposit first because exactly. that shows you're committed yeah. so just interesting you know interesting uh dealing with corporate this is technically corporate canada but corporate canada cor but they have like we were dealing with uh canadian off the montreal office the New York office, and then uh, their office in, I think, France as well. So it's a bit interesting. But I, like, I'm not complaining. Like, at the end of the day, uh, it's it's cool to be working with a, a big company like that. And the cool thing about them is they just kind of they have a lot of products. They just you know they sh they're shooting them over to us. Once this order gets processed, if we do a good job, um, you know they they they're gonna reorder this product. They're already talking about reordering this product. But we'll become more of a, a trusted vendor, so that means they'll push more stuff towards us. And so, and then, sorry. And then we were talking to them about the payment stuff, and they were like, "Yeah, okay, it does take two weeks because they have like a thousand invoices to process a week or whatever it is." So they were just like, uh, "In future, you just make sure that we build it into the production time and." Um, you know, just send them an invoice as, as early as possible. It's like first time is always going to be a little bit uh, shaky, but we've been uh, talking to them about how to fix that moving forward. And uh, the but again, it's like they're an entertainment company. So like even the person that we're dealing with, who's their purchasing manager or whatever purchasing person, she has no idea about <laughs> China manufacturing or you know. It's it's that uh, it's that typical thing where she thinks like China is a giant Walmart, and you know we're trying to educate her about the process, but she's like, why, why can't you just get the sample tomorrow? Like, <laughs> no, they got to order their own materials. They got you know it's like when I, and another thing to keep in mind is when a factory makes you a sample, it's not like it's not like they just make one sample. Like they make multiple versions of it so that they can make the they can give you the best one. So it's like that's why sometimes it takes takes a little bit of time.
do you feel like your uh, SOPs help this process along a little bit? Like you have standard operating procedures that you might send to clients to to keep their expectations in check a little bit? It's funny because, yeah, I guess. Um, it's funny that you bring that up because uh, I've been taking this course, a consulting course, Sam Lovins, and he was talking about the, the, tra- the trajectory of a consulting business. So he's like, at the beginning, you do everything. Um, you know, you come up with these package deals where you just do everything. Then you start to collaborate with clients. And then by the end of it, like this is directly uh, related to your revenue. By the end of it, you're just teaching. Like you're not actually doing any work. Um, but so we're in that position right now where we're doing a lot of like working with clients. And that process is me sharing like internal documents that we have uh, that out uh, that uh, outlay like the information we need to talk to suppliers and how long certain things take. So it's and then right now I'm transitioning from Asana to to Zoho Projects. And uh, what I like about Zoho Projects is like there's a client portal, so I can give the client a login, and then they can jump into the project and see what we're doing, and then they yeah. can also assign tasks. And, Things like that. So I'm really just trying to now collaborate more and more with clients. And then it, obviously as we move forward, it's going to be more of like I'm less and less involved and the clients are just kind of working directly with the staff, they come which they which they are. Their own project. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like you assign yeah, through the system. And, you know, so it's, uh, yeah, I mean, but I think it's always we've always been educating people. But I think before it was a lot of talking. Now it's more like sharing our, yeah, our internal stuff. Sure. internal documents all that and then um i mean for the for the most of the clients the way they find us is through the podcast on youtube so that's also like people prep by listening to the podcast and watching the youtube channel and stuff cool. but like with somebody like Cirque du Soleil they're not they're not doing that so. <laughs> they're not interested in listening to that I also wanted to say um before we take off here that I've recorded a few podcasts um some short interviews i did one of which was with um, my buddy Corey stout who is the founder and ceo of woody sunglasses uh hopefully we can put that out in the next week or two i think it was a it was a short interview but it was good Corey's a great friend and interesting upbeat entrepreneur and i, I think you guys can get some value from listening to that so be on the lookout for uh Corey stout from from woody's Yep, I haven't had a chance to listen to it yet, but I will before. I, I'll try to. I, want, I guess I'll release this one. I'll try to release this one this week, um, and then release the other one the next week. But uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's interesting. Like I think we're transitioning a lot from. We're still the vast majority of our clients are still startups, but I've noticed even with FBA guys, it's shifting a lot from like dudes who are on the first product or women who are on their first product to people who have been selling on Amazon for two years and now they're like trying to explode their business by sourcing like multiple products at the same time. And then um, sort of doing a lot more partnerships with other guys who are like suppliers in their countries, you know? So like in Australia, like Ireland and stuff. So I guess we're working less with entrepreneurs but like with other businesses that have been established for a while which i i like um i want to do more of that just trying to figure out how how to find them they've been finding us <laughs> how to how to find them as well or at least not even just how to find them but like at least how to 
yeah, I guess if I know where they live, then I can kind of create content around that and like, you know, systemize it where they can find us easier, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Good. All right, guys, uh, if you want to reach out to us, it's podcast at SwissFineAsia. SwissFineAsia.com slash Made in China. And the YouTube channel is also SwissFineAsia. Looking for a pair of Air Ones and white tea. She wants champagne. I got Cisco and Kool-Aid. Why go to the movies? Let's watch the Kool-Aid. Cause plans change I gotta love